Hi, I'm Avalon Starlight, and you are listening to the Rebel Unicorns podcast. This season, I'm super stoked because we are talking about something very near and dear to my heart, chakras, and how they can completely transform your life and your business. Listen each week as I share my own chakra experiences, as well as introducing you to incredible guests with their own chakra stories. Are you ready? Let's get our rebel on. Oh my goodness, Rebel Unicorns, I'm very excited about today's episode. Here on the podcast, we have somebody who has literally been changing the dynamic of the earth through equality, through, what is the word, justice, through inclusion, inclusion. that was the word I was fishing for. I'm talking (laughs) about someone on the front lines of ultimately speaking up for people whose voices have not been heard. And that is so impactful and so important in today's day and age, and if not more so over the last couple of years. And so it's so wonderful to have Faith Clark in the throat chakra conversation because I know that just as you're listening to her speak today during the episode, it's going to blow your mind at the capacity using your voice for what matters can have an impact in your life, in your business, in your family, in so many areas and aspects of your life. And it's a true gem to have Faith Clark here. Faith, hey! (laughs) Avalon, it's been, I've wanted to be back on the podcast and just not acted. And so I was just so grateful when you reached out to me. So thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, the last time you were on the podcast, it was like right at the beginning, right? back on the back, right? (laughs) That was was a few years ago, probably about three years ago-ish. Like two years ago, yeah. Mm -hmm, Two and seven, Yeah, yeah. And so what would you say has been the thing that is the biggest change, the biggest difference in the last two years? I think um, I am, it's funny we're talking about throat and voice. I am trusting my voice more. I'm trusting, I'm trusting more than I was. So there's, there's a way that I worried and probably still do worry about being invisible and invisibility was always about not being heard, um, not mattering enough to have impact, not mattering enough to be noticed, not mattering enough to be cared for or to be inquired and to be curious about. And I think there's been just so much more trust that I have in me mattering to me and then me mattering in the spaces where I'm supposed to be. And then being an influencer, it's almost like now that I'm allowing myself to notice the spaces that I feel like I don't matter in and allowing that to be part of my voice for others who feel like me. You know, I, I took it personally before, like, oh, faith doesn't matter. I was like, wait, is it that faith doesn't matter or is there something here systemic? Is there something here in the, in the social soup? Is there something here that prompts people and just trusting that as guidance more? has been really liberating. I'm reading underneath a little bit here that, you know, you're utilizing your intuition almost when you're, you're getting those sensations or feelings and kind of leaning in to asking through your intuition, if you're feeling this way, is that true? Like, cause intuition came through really hard there. Yeah. It's well, I've always been really intuitive though, not necessarily um, leading into it. I'm always this person who can, I guess an intuitive hunch, but I don't own it. I, I search for the explanation and then I tell people the explanation. So yes, what's been happening more is that I am 
trusting the intuition, not needing an explanation as much. But also I used to take the intuition as guidance personally Mm -hmm. in those moments. When I'd feel that feeling, it was like, ah, here's another time when this is about you. This is about your growth. This is about you needing to change and be bigger, better, whatever, right? Now I'm noticing that, wait, maybe it wasn't about me. Maybe that was ego. Maybe maybe my interpretation that it was about me was just my junk, right? And maybe that's guidance. That's about how I can be of service in this space or some a spotlight that I can shine on um, something. So. so amazing. So powerful. And so just for those listening to kind of get an even greater overview of everything, what rebel unicorn house do you fall into? I'm a catalyst unicorn. I, I remember when you were coming up with the words and we were like, after you came up with the list and asked the questions, it was like, catalyst, that's me. And then I did the quiz. I'm like, yeah, I'm catalyst. It confirmed it. And so, but yeah. What does that mean to you being a catalyst unicorn? I don't even remember what you have in your description, but catalyst for me is an agitator. It's it's the necessary ingredient to make things happen. It's the kind of starter fire type of thing. And so that's that's perfect for me because I don't necessarily want to be part of the ongoing implementation of anything. Like I love watching people do things, but I really love noticing that the thing needs to happen and being part of creating the space to make that happen and brainstorming the how. And it's like, yay, you got it. Awesome. I'll check back, you know? And so, yeah. So then with my lead in and introduction of you and that beautiful, like, this is my favorite part of what I do. Can you define what you do for the listeners so that they're like, okay, now this all makes sense. Click, 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 click. Everything's like a puzzle piece coming together. I help small businesses get their teams working right primarily through the lens of helping humans feel like they belong and feeling like they can connect. I believe that there is magic and energy and productivity and money in humans connecting well with each other. And one of the things that makes humans not connect well and not feel like they belong is they don't feel included. Um, There are a whole bunch of stereotypes implicit in so many of our systems that are acting on all of us that are affecting the workspace. And so I'm, I'm about inclusive workspace and I'm about inclusive teams as the primary tool to help people heal and work together effectively. And just to back up a little bit out of that, as you know, Avalon, my son, who's now 22, has classic autism and he catapulted me into this question of what would it take for him to feel like he belonged? And at the beginning, he didn't belong in the school system. And as his parent, as a mom of a kid with special needs, I didn't feel like I belonged. I was now on the fringes of everything. And this journey of helping myself belong and pursuing integration and inclusion for him now has me quite naturally in the workspace. He prepared me for my other two kids. And everybody is at that age, adults, late teens, where my question is, where's the workspaces that fit my kids? Where are the places where they can feel like they can thrive, where they don't have to hide, where they don't have to center to some norm that's artificial or that's stereotypic? Where are the places where they shine and yet they are nourished? Mm -hmm. And the traditional workspace is not that place. It's built on models that need to be burnt. And so- Patriarchal bullshit. (laughs) 
<laughs> rubbish. I mean, actually, I was in a in, in a room in Clubhouse. Um, are you in Clubhouse? Anyway, I was in a room in Too much noise for me. I was overwhelmed the first time I went on. But I was in a room where one of the women, a neurodiversity room, and one of the women said, do you know X study or whatever says that the workplace was modeled off the plantation? I'm like, that makes perfect sense. There is no way a work system modeled off of a system like that can meet the values that we're saying we need in a modern society. It's just impossible. So we're trying to tweak this, tweak that, tweak this, but it's not going to work. And so I try to have the challenging conversation with people who are ready to say, how would we get people really seeing each other, even though they're different? How do we integrate difference? and celebrate difference and create the new oneness? And how do we do this in an active dynamic way? Because people are changing all the time, new people are joining the team. So we have to have mechanisms for doing this in a very organic way. It's not about policy, it's not about your DNI strategy. It really has to be about how people work together. Well, and this is a really big shift in how things were going. We were we were conditioned into what I call individualization, right? That we are all yes. separate entities co- like coexisting in a space where we didn't have unified goals, unified experiences, unified conversations. We were we were bred or we were separated enough to like isolate ourselves, our beliefs, our ideas, and then suffer. Right. Exactly. Suffer through the discomfort of not feeling like we belong and god forbid you used your voice as a means to share your thoughts feelings or emotions in those spaces right especially if your thoughts feelings didn't fit in the box like you better all those thoughts better fit into this box that you were hired to fit right and it was very hierarchical right like i am the boss and this is the sub boss and everybody else you are the the ants (laughs) 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 run around and do the pieces of the puzzle like that's just the way the system was conditioned Right. Now, before we get into like that, the using your voice and, and speaking, I want to tie it into the throat chakra here because this is a significant piece. This is where it does speak to why this chakra is so impactful and so impor- important in you know the work that you do, but in in life in general. So, do you even remember much? Because it's been a couple of years since you did the chakra business academy. What the show, what the the throat chakra represents. I mean, I know it represents voice and I know that I traditionally, I remember, I don't remember much about the, what you taught in that module. I do remember that throat is important to me. And I do remember feeling like, yeah, I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna get this one of those that's just not, it's not gonna, because I still have to really be intentional about speaking. Like it's much more natural for me to not speak in public spaces than it is for me to speak. Um, even though I always have a lot to say. <laughs> so, so I remembered, like, even now I, if I'm in a, like a meditation as a like, people can't see us, but I'm, I will put my hand on my throat as a, just a reminder to myself to allow the thoughts and intentions that I'm having to come out of me in a well, way that's healing. I want to share something from two years ago, Faith, to a conversation we had just before we started this episode. Because, Faith, do you remember two years ago, one of the greatest things that you were utilizing your throat for was you were just giving everything away. You were just using your throat chakra to just help people. Mm -hmm. Help people, but 
all the time. Like it was like a faucet that was directed towards service, but service in a way that I don't know if it was the most beneficial to you or your family or to your, can you, do you remember that? I do. I do. And I think that some, a lot of that is, was how to, and if somebody asked me a question or if I felt like somebody needed something, how to not give it that, that felt, it felt like a not giving of it. Um, and so it was just like, well, I just tell you all the things. It, it took it took some experiences of telling all the things like, yeah, right, people don't do the things. And then the helping isn't helpful if people aren't going to do the things, you know. So it is about voice, but it has to be about voice in prepared spaces, right? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise then it doesn't have the effect that, that it needs to have to, for, for change to happen. And what were you saying right before we jumped on the podcast? Spaciousness. Is that what we're saying? Well, well, that you had said, like, I, I now know that I'm waiting for my, the right. I, I, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 But I think that that too is part of the trust that comes. So I am now, I'm really comfortable speaking about the things that I want to speak about. And then this additional layer of trust is trusting that the people who need what I'm saying will hear it. It's funny to me that I haven't loaded episodes in my podcast now for a year. I'm going to be relaunching my podcast in another month. But every time I glance at the podcast and see new listens, I'm like, how does this even happen, right? So there is this thing of people needing what they need and they go about seeking it in whatever way they go about seeking it. And if you are part of the solution, they'll find you, they'll hear you, right? So my trusting that more just means I'm going to say the things that I feel I need to say and then how people stumble upon me, they stumble upon me. And of course I'll get more, you know, I'll get sexier with funnels or whatever. I don't know, whatever, right? <laughs> whatever. But, I mean, but I think it's more, pretty great business without funnels right now. I think that it depends on the person. <laughs> I, like I, right. It does. But I think underneath that has to be this trust, right? Yeah. That then you follow the guidance you need to do whatever you need to do in your business at that time. But yeah. So I just wanted to bring that in because there is a power of like voice without direction or without mm -hmm. boundary and the impact that it doesn't land in the same like almost like potency. Yep. 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 Right? I mean, it's the same medicine that people are looking for. Right. It's, it's, it has to be about readiness. And I mean, it, readiness isn't only about money and it isn't always about money, but it is this sense of um, we, I think all of us who are speaking in, into people's lives and supporting people in various ways, have to determine that the ground is ready for the actual message, whatever way you're going to use to determine that, whether it's the exchange in terms of a client um, paying you for the service and for the time and honoring it in that way or some whatever other way. But it's too many times having had the courage to speak, uh, people have complete agency. So there is no prerequisite. Somebody has to take your advice, whether they paid you or not. But but too many times when I've done verbal diarrhea with a person, like an entire strategic plan tomorrow, like I hear it, I know it clearly, and I've laid it all out. And they walk off and then they do nothing. They're saying, I don't know what to do. I was like, you don't know. I just told, I mean, we just, it was super clear. We got it. It's, this is it now. This is it, right? And so this whole thing about um, whatever we do honoring 
that the voice has to fit or the message has to fit into a container and knowing when that container is in front of you. That's, that's part of it. It's a huge, huge piece. Like, and, and to have witnessed it, you have like, you have gone to a place of, of knowing faith, like truly sitting in the center of, you know, your service, your stardust, what you're here to do. Like it radiates from you in all forms and all ways now. Like you walk into a room and we can feel it. Oh, thank you. That's a deep honoring of where you were. I just wanted to like show the last two years mm-hmm. and, and the value that your voice has changed. Like the, that we, we respond to it differently too, right? Like when somebody's throat chakra is tuned to the frequency of their service, of their knowing, of, you know, their purpose, their mission, that resonance, that, that we feel it. It's just like, Whoa, yeah. mm, yes, <laughs> bring it on. I'm into it. <laughs> Again, I always have to follow that up with, I feel it because I'm tuned to energy vibration, but there's a knowing that you can sense when somebody is in their element, speaking from their truth in their heart. Yeah. And so and I think we, oh, go ahead. it's not blocked as much too by the second guessing. Cause when you don't know when the container isn't prepared and then you're also like uncertain, then that second guessing also makes the message muddy, you know? And so so then if we were to tie the trust piece in, how, what would you say was the, that, that missing piece? And how did you click that into your throat? I don't know if I did it consciously, but I am all, I, I'm really, God uses my kids to help me take the next step always. So what happened in, I think it earlier this last year, it was part of the, the, the thing, the, the catalyst for me with all of the stuff with George Floyd, because I hadn't, um, you know, I didn't want to be controversial. You've always said, be controversial. I was like, I didn't want to be controversial. Um, but my 16 year old son suddenly showed up in front of my face as a black man. And he was, he was my baby. He's my little one. It's like, he's not a black man, but he's a, he was, so right at, as George Floyd's situation had unfolded and the pain of it, I had this, I have this charismatic, gorgeous, people like him, he's all over the social space. And I felt grief for him that I had to speak about. And then right beside that, I, we had a recent experience with my son with autism where somebody thought he was being aggressive and it was a very painful experience. It was in our neighborhood and my son, my 16 year old was there. And so all of us were witness to it as we were like, no, 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 no. This is, you know, he's, he has autism. So I have this moment where I'm like, I have two black men and one of them has a disability. I cannot not speak about this because this is not just um, my situation. This is a communal pain. And this is this follows this will follow my son into the workplace. It will follow my son into school. It will follow my son into communities. The fundamental, you know, thing that I started to say to people is that when we are in community with each other, then we don't other each other. And this is the same thing is happening in a workspace that whoever is different is other is them, and we don't have any mechanisms for making us into them. So I think the trust, if I'm tying this back to trust, the trust came in that. Kevin, in me trusting that I had to speak for my kids. 
And then I have to then trust that this message is aligned and it is aligned with everything that I had been talking about. Um, and the trust kind of pushed out fear of being controversial. And so I, I reached out to people that I wouldn't even have spoken to before directly. It's like, hey, so, you know, how are you handling this in your business? How are you handling this in your business? Because um, the preparing the ground for the next 10 years, so when Zach reaches the workplace, became more important and therefore it, it freed up the you know the ability to speak about this so that hit me in so many emotions faith just so you know like to think about how that impacted zach in the conversation of him coming to you and how powerful the why is mm-hmm. yeah Right. Like when we take it to the to the next experience, right, like I'm on a cusp of being in that discomfort in my throat chakra, because anytime we level up any part of our service, we still have to create space within ourselves for the next iteration. Right. 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 And, you know, mine is calling to another level into another space. And the why is the, is what breaks down the fear. The why is what yeah. becomes the catalyst for the evolution, if -hmm. you will. So if we're going to come back and tie it back around to the value of people, because even when you were speaking there, I had emotional reaction to the story, right? And bringing it to the space of people feeling safe to use their voices in these bigger conversations about George Floyd, about Donald Trump, about, you know, inconsistencies in the workplace. These are all sensitive topics, all of them. Mm-hmm. Where do you maneuver that? Like, how do you support people in feeling the the capacity to share their their stories through their through, through their voices? I mean, the first place that I tend to go is to the person that owns the space, whatever the space is. I think that if you have a team of two or three people even if that team is running really, really well, even if everything looks perfect, those people are hiding. If we would just assume that everybody is hiding, everybody has to some extent, at some level, feel like they don't belong, starting with you, the owner of the space, then how do we layer in more vulnerability, more trust, more communication, and more disclosure of difference and practice there. And I try to help people to practice in the safety of the stable relationship. When the team is in tumult, then we just have to, you know, pop, we just have to get to work and it's messy. But if you are in a workspace that feels reasonably good, you have a reasonably good relationship with your boss or you, the boss or our leader, you have a reasonably good relationship with the people who you're in a relation, you are associating with and that you lead in some way. Then we have to start with how do we talk about whatever our individual differences are? How do we talk about that in a way that doesn't undermine the work and creates more, I don't know, is this juiciness in the actual relationship? And I start there because the more people realize that they've been hiding and the more people are willing to out themselves from hiding, the more they notice that they have been excluding others. And so before we get to the hard topics, like 
people who deal with uh, neurodistinctiveness or neurodivergence, people who who are you know black women in the workplace or whatever the thing is, we have to start with one: Are you including yourself on your own team? Two: Are the people with you hiding some gift and stuff like that and stuff that they don't feel safe saying? And let's build a practice around trust and vulnerability. When we can build that practice and keep the work going, then it's so much easier to talk about whoever the them is that we aren't including as a group and build some safety around including them. Because people tend to want to start with hiring. Oh my goodness, we aren't, we need more black women. Let's hire, you know, it's like, no, we we actually have to make the space safe enough for our own differences and know what that, be, be intentional about that so that we can have some explicit tools for the safety of others when we invite them in. Mm. So that tends to be the way I start. The other thing I'd say if, to a person who doesn't feel like they're massively powerful is that when you share your truth, the courage to create, that, that, that there's something that happens when it comes out of your mouth that is not happening in your head. So this courage that it takes to create this bit of knowledge that maybe is just knowledge about yourself, that bit of knowledge can never be lost. It's like it's a gift that you've given yourself. Even if another person just drops it on the ground and says, that's rubbish, that thing you created can't be lost anymore. It's now yours. And so I tell people, people talk about this a lot with, with um, like patents and stuff. Like, no, I share my ideas with people and then they could steal it. It's like rubbish because you are the creator of the ideas. And once you've created that idea, it's yours. And, it, and you can use it in service in a way they can't. So I tend to challenge people to disclose as a, as a creative force. Just create the things that you could only create through your words. And if it means that you don't fit anymore, then well, that's... It's just such an interesting conversation to have because I have a Monday team meeting with my team every Monday. And this particular one was significant because at the end, I just felt deep gratitude for my team. Like there's four people. And I was like, guys, I love you so much. I'm so grateful. Like the, like I feel that still and so appreciative of everything that you do. And in that moment, they all went, and then, and then, and then, and I was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Get back here. Right here. Yep. Get in here. I'm like, I, 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 can you guys open up and let that in? Let that in. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I give you this? Truly, the way that I am feeling, truly appreciative, truly in full gratitude of your magnificence. Will you receive this with yeah. me, for me, like as I'm giving it and receiving it? It was a really significant shift we had as a company mm-hmm. in that. Because I think prior to this, and this is why I'm saying it, we would have just let it go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? They wouldn't have heard it. I wouldn't have called myself to the place of speaking the truth about like, because <laughs> there would have been a... a dissonance in that Uh Uh Mm -hmm. right versus the and that juiciness that juiciness so covid and stuff like this and racial discontent and all the things has shown up how brittle our teams are how brittle our social structures are because it fragments right but that juiciness that you you just experienced that when groups of people keep experiencing that it's almost like it's elastic. Like my hands are moving in and out because I'm trying to, I'm feeling it. It, it. That ability 
to hold that juiciness is also the ability to pivot and to respond externally. Uh, it, there, there's a way that it builds resilience and adaptability in a group of people as a collective that's not possible with just like uh, task-based like um, structures between people, right? And so the brittleness of a team that therefore can't accept difference is also the brittleness of a team that can't adapt and can't respond to external struggle and can't respond to the to the internal pressure of the world being in chaos. You know, so it, it really is amazing when we can hold that juiciness together. I'm just like, whoa, that was that was something. And it's not the things we're taught because we're taught, you know, these things that are linear and structured. And so how do we explain juiciness? Um, psychologists call it all kinds of things, but it really is vibe and, you yeah. know, loveliness, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was, it was like, again, it's finding a place where there's confidence, like for me to say to a team as a, as a, you know, somebody who's hired contractors and things like that to be like, I fucking love you guys. Like that's not something that is typically taught either. Right. Like you're a master, you're a master, you're a master, you're a master. We the best, right? Like that's that sensation of we're all here in, in community Mm -hmm. versus I'm trying to lead you all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is I do, personally faith. So this is why I'm so grateful for you because you were instrumental in this, in our previous conversations, right? Like you have kind of created that, that foundation for me through interviews we've done through things like that, that the community is in being as one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm super appreciative of you as well. So what is next for you in terms of bringing this to more people? So I think the the voice piece is really a big piece right now. So I'm reestablishing, like I was saying, my podcast and being willing to talk about teamwork as the place where this happens. You know, I could talk about it in any workplace and in any community place, but I do feel that we all know we need teams in the workplace. And so let's talk about making this happen in the structure of a team. So I'm setting up a five, five podcast mini series, probably it will be finished by the end of February. And so, and I'm doing that as a way to just say, Hey, if you are curious about anything you hear me say, go there. And I think part of that too, is leaning into neurodistinctiveness as a mechanism for understanding difference. Yeah, I mean, neurodistinctiveness is just me talking about difference like ADHD, learning disabilities, dyslexia, whatever. People having challenges that typically don't fit in the workplace and that they have to mask or hide. Um, and I'm, I say as a lens, because if we understand something like having a deaf person at work or having a person with autism at work, it will create space for the more fundamental issue of women being women at work and gender issues and you know just men feeling like they have to walk the line for some stereotype and just like all of those issues um can sometimes feel so much harder to put our hands around because they're so pervasive and so for me talking about autism and having people build the skills then allows them to be able to practice in this just basic inclusion of self and inclusion of people in your family and inclusion of like what's going on in your relationship with your partner when you have some skills that you've 
externalized to the person at work. So. And so it's so interesting as we were talking before getting on how you, you know, or maybe it was in the podcast about Clubhouse. And to me, it seems like a very significant place for you because it is a voice oriented platform. <laughs> yeah. There's no need for lipstick on Clubhouse. I, if I pitch my voice right, they don't know I'm lying down. <laughs> right. And that's, I think that that's an important thing is when we talk about throat chakra, it often has one of two superpowers, which is your voice or your written word, right? That's, which is the, the fastest and most efficient way for you to get your message out. And for somebody who's a written word, don't try and force yourself into a Facebook live or into clubhouse or into doing video. If writing is your strength and how people can pick up what you're putting down and don't try to write. If you are more of a a voice oriented person, get on clubhouse, get to voice notes, do, do lives. And I think when I hear you, I'm like, Oh, clubhouse is the best for Faith Clark. And it's funny, right? Because for me, the best way for me to have voice is to answer questions. And so interviews are, it's so much easier for me to do an interview than for me to, um, you know, self-generate, I can talk, but you know, self-generating a, a thing, a talk. So on clubhouse, I co-moderate. I usually I'm not in a room by myself. I am in a room with people and people come up and they ask a question and then I just answer it. And I'm like, what's, what's not to like? I'm just answering questions. Um, and so I think I do, it's really important. I agree with you that part of what we have to own is the way our voice works and then really giving ourselves opportunity to give that way space. I write really well too, but I'm just in a period of my life now I am, I'm finishing this PhD. I'm finishing the PhD. I'm like, I'm saying it, it's get it. It's going to be done, but I'm writing a lot for non-fun things. It's because it doesn't feel like fun, fun. It's, it feels like it's, it's going to be done, but it doesn't feel like fun. So I'm like, what's the, what's the fun way to access my wisdom? And I access my wisdom by speaking it. And especially when people ask me questions. So well, I mean, you just, we are talking about podcast, which is voice. We're talking about clubhouse, which is voice. So it's just, it's just the way that it's presenting. So if they were, if somebody were to be like, well, because club, clubhouse is kind of hot right now, Faith. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> if they were like, I want to <laughs> follow Faith on clubhouse, where would they go? I, I think that they should find me on Facebook and ask me, because I don't know. I, I mean, I'm Faith Clark. If you go searching in Clubhouse for Faith Clark, you'll see me. Um, um, but I think also I have a room in um, a club called Neurodiversity in the Workplace. And I'm going to be like two or three times a month talking about different topics there. So once you follow me, you'll see it in the calendar. It will show up. But just reach out to me on Facebook, which is which is home, which is, you know, where I which is where I relax and browse. And then I'll, um, I'll send you direct links to events or talk about the podcast. Personal Facebook, Faith Clark. Yeah. And Clark 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 with an E, -E. C-L-A-R-K-E. I mean, email is good too. Faith at melody of autism.com. Is that good? M-E-L-O-D-Y at autism. Melody of autism. And we'll put that in the show notes. Anyway. And anything else that you want to leave? Oh, I know my final question is, it's just, I have, I recorded all of these a few, few weeks ago. So I forgot my final question, Faith, but now I remember it before I even get you off the podcast. And that is, what does being a rebel unicorn mean to you? 
what does being a rebel unicorn mean to me? I mean, both of those words feel really powerful. Um, because a rebel is a person who's doing a thing before it becomes the norm. And I'm really like part of my work with inclusion and with teams and business structure is the norms don't work. So a rebellion is needed. I'm not, you know, like, let's rebel peacefully, <laughs> but, but a rebellion is needed. And so this idea of being the person that says that doesn't work, that's what rebel unicorn is just, that thing doesn't exist. And then I'm saying, yes, it does. <laughs> yes it does yes it does um if i can draw it it exists you know but no it's 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 the um the reality is just the thing we fantasized that then we created you know so that's the that's, that's a really cool. good explanation i'm gonna like that say pulled, that. that's how i pulled that that just totally brings me to one last question because i want to ask it are you still doing art I am not doing art right now. I took out my art, um, my art journal like two or three times recently. And I was like, what's the, what's the block? And I feel like I should switch to a coloring book because I, I, I'm, I'm overthinking the, what am I going to draw? What am I going to draw piece? Um, so I'm going to switch to the coloring book. This winter though, I took up yarn again and did some knitting. And so it seems like I'm moving my crafts through different um, like coloring art. We'll see. I love it. I love it. Just a question because I've seen the brilliance that comes through you in that outlet as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on Rebel Unicorn's Throat Chakra podcast. As always, your voice is so powerfully impactful and necessary, and it is always a joy to get to spend time with you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for asking. And I'm so grateful for the snow day that made it possible like now. I know. I know. It's so <laughs> funny how it all happened. And it was divine timing. And I cannot wait for everybody to reach out and learn more about you and the mission that you're on in, in this world. So thank you. Mwah. Wow. That episode was mind blowing. I hope you had as many ahas listening to it as I had recording it. I would love to see the Rebel Unicorns podcast spread far and wide across the globe, across the universe. So if you want to share it on your social media with something that you found impactful, leave a review, send it to a friend. It would be oh, so deeply appreciated. Also, a little side note, I did recently change my name. I downloaded a year and a half ago that my name was Avalon Starlight. It was previously my birth name was Tamara Arnold. And if you're interested in learning what your rebel unicorn house is, oh yeah, there's a quiz for that. Think Harry Potter, except you're sorted into how you are impacting the world with your stardust and what energy you're here to shift and change. You can find out your rebel unicorn house at www tamararnold.ca slash quiz. Let me know, tag me in social media, send the quiz out and join the Rebel Unicorns Facebook group to be in a community of like-minded spiritual entrepreneurs who understand that when you shift your energy, you transform your business.